Welcome to the Legacy Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Evangelisti, and this is the place where you create certainty, clarity, and confidence. We interview the best leaders in the industry today. With that said, grab a pen and a notepad, and let's get started. All right, Daniel Johnson, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate you having me on and um, really looking forward to talking with talking with you about what's going on um, in real estate, financial planning, a lot of a lot of fun things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Why don't you start by talking to our audience and telling them kind of where you've been and, and what led you to this point and why real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've actually been investing in real estate going back all the way until 2007, which which feels like a long time to me, but you know, for some from some of your listeners it may not be that long. But 2007, right before um, the Great Recession, right right before the the financial crisis, bought my first investment property. I was actually a senior in college, and um, I actually was planning for kind of a house hack before that was really even a thing, you know, a, a term. But you know, buying a house that me and a couple of roommates could live in um, did exactly that. And um, felt the implosion of the financial crisis, um, lived through it, and have continued to invest on the other side of it. So now, you know, now I'm up to about nine properties um, that I own, you know, myself, and as, as long also with a couple of partners um, on a couple of properties as well. So um, that's been kind of the the long and short of it. But but really, most of my portfolio is um, a couple long term rentals and mostly short term rentals, Airbnbs. Nice, nice. What got you into the old Airbnb craze and how did that whole transition happen? Yeah, so I actually started that back in about 2015, um, really before it was, it was a huge, you know, hugely hot uh, market uh, place. And I, I lived in Asheville, North Carolina at the time, and, and we were seeing a pretty big pickup in tourism and uh, just people coming to town. And uh, me and a couple of friends, we had some properties that fit the, fit the bill pretty well. And and we started, we started looking at it, started experimenting with it and realized, hey, look, this, there's something to this. And, and we thought we could scale some. Um, so that's, you know, that's who I have a couple of partners, partners there. And we own about uh, six or seven Airbnbs in Asheville. And, um, and so really started in 2015 and, and have really just continued to grow it uh, since then. That's fantastic. So the financial planning aspect of it, and you had mentioned it before the call and you're probably right about this. I mean, we're, we're dozens of shows in. We really probably never had uh, a financial planner on the show. We don't talk about the financial planning aspects necessarily of the real estate game. And so, you know, this could be, this could be a, you know, a, an opportunity for the first time for our audience to really hear someone with that type of background, um, you know, talk about planning as, as it relates to uh, real estate portfolios. So, so let's dive into it, man. I mean, what, let's talk about some basics. Let's talk about some long-term wealth building strategies. I mean, what do you got for us? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one thing that I wanted to want to kind of start off with is there definitely is a difference between financial planning and investment advice. Now, most of your audience probably thinks of financial planning and financial advisors and investment advisors and money managers all with the same blanket, you know, kind of uh, general thought. You know, I, I actually hate going to events, to places and talking to people when I tell them I, I'm a financial planner because they automatically think that I work for Edward Jones or Morgan Stanley. I'm not afraid to name those companies, but 
those guys are and gals are salespeople. They are they are selling products for the most part. Right. Even if even if it's investment advice wrapped, most of the time it's wrapped in a, in a financial product, and 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 they're getting paid a commission or an ongoing trail or some type of a management fee, and 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 that is not in what I consider financial planning. So the world that I live in and work in is what I call fee-only financial planning, where some fee-only financial planners may manage money and that's, that may be the main way that they, they produce their income, but there's a lot of us that actually don't manage money. Um, I, I, I do manage money, but I don't get paid directly based on the money that I manage. But what it is, is it's, it's more of a focus on the financial plan, the holistic um, nature of a person's financial condition. And that's an accounting of all of their assets, all of their liabilities, all of their income streams, all of their, all their expenses. It's, it's, it's really acting like a personal CFO. Mm. And, um, and, and what I would say to, to your audience is you may or may not need a financial planner. You may be you may be right there chugging along and know exactly where you are and where you're going. However, some that you, some folks may need a financial planner, just like a company eventually gets to the place where it needs a CFO, somebody who can, who can manage the corporate accounts, who can, who can give direction for um, kind of fiscal responsibility for the company. Some people get to the point where they're like, Hey, look, there's just a lot of moving pieces here. I need somebody to focus this down. What I would say to those people is, Find somebody who's going to charge you a fee based on a service, not a not a uh, fee based on managing assets, because in general, those fees compound and grow over time. So that's the kind of the financial planning world that I live in is working specifically with real estate investors in helping them and kind of being their personal CFO, helping them understand where they are, how to plan for the future and how to you know, alloc allocate their resources in a, in a really smart way. So on, in a more holistic approach, not just cash and cash in the accounts, but from their portfolio standpoint, what's the next move, 1031s, that type of thing, how to expand upon their portfolio. Yeah. Can you can you give us some some you know some stories and maybe some real life scenarios of somebody, you know, obviously without naming names, but somebody who's recently sure. has done some transactions, something like that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're exactly right. You know, a lot of it is is I mean, tax planning is such a huge piece. Obviously, the the IRS. Um, provides, and I mean, the IRS and the and, and our federal government provide a lot of incentives for real estate investment. And this goes back years and years and years. Now, most of most of what I do really centers around the tax planning because it's such a big piece of it. Obviously, for every dollar you don't have to send back to the government, that's another dollar you can reinvest into um, in, into real estate. And then every dollar that you reinvest in real estate, it's, it's kind of a, a ripple effect because then you can, you can then use things like cost segregation, 1031 exchanges to continually build the capital base by which you are, you're investing and amplifying that out. Now, and then obviously as you mature and get further down the line, you start to enter into other areas that become more and more, um, more and more important like estate planning and figuring out how to transition assets to the next generation to save in taxes in that way. And these tax planning, estate planning um, pieces of the puzzle start to fit together down the line. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and I've worked with a lot, of, a lot of real estate investors through the years and, and, and a lot of the, the, the questions and conversations come down to what are your goals 
and and what's your plan to get there? Some people end up just kind of accumulating a, a mismatch portfolio of real estate that doesn't really have a purpose and a plan in place. So a lot of times what I do when I when I start working with clients is I bring them in, I bring in all of their all their assets and bring them into one place and start to understand their portfolio and figure out, does this belong? You know, is this is this a portfolio or is this a property you had out in California that has, you know, increased in value tremendously from appreciation, but it's not fitting your goal of cash flow. Maybe they're trying to retire and they say, hey, look, I got this property in California. It, it, it cash flows me, you know, $2,000 a month, but it's worth a million dollars or something like that. It's like, well, we might want to consider a reallocation of that if cash flow is more important to you. So it's, mm -hmm. bringing, it's bringing the whole portfolio into view and, and figuring out what the most efficient path towards the next, the, the next step in, their, in their, their progress and their goal uh, looks like. I love it, man. I love it. So Daniel, at what level would you consider somebody needing a conversation with someone like yourself? Is it five units? Is it 25 units? Like, like when does somebody say, like, raise their hand and go, okay, uh, I'm all over the place. And, and, and before you answer that, I, I want to say to you, like, I've been there, right? Like, you know, at one point I had three duplexes, 10 single families, a quadplex and apartment building. And like, you know, I'm all over the place and I have 15 LLCs and, you know, I'm figuring it out along the way at some point. And, and by the way, I didn't even know people like you existed until I probably had a hundred units. Right. So at what point do you, do yeah. you raise your hand and say like, I need help organizing this, right? At what level would you suggest yeah. is that place for somebody? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, unfortunately it's going to be a, it depends kind of situation. Yeah. You know, there, there's some folks that are in the details and they can jump on bigger pockets and listen to podcasts and, and, and figure out and plan it themselves. And, and, and just kind of keep rolling until they have 50, hundred. And, and a lot of people get they're, they're never at a point where they need to outsource. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm one that says, look, don't hire somebody if you don't need to. Mm -hmm. um, however, some people get to the point where they get, a, they get, they get a little, uh, I guess it's hard for them to understand where they are and what their next step is. And when folks start, start experiencing a little bit of confusion, a little bit of concern maybe of where they stand in just the macro environment. You know, are they, are they over leveraged? Are they in a place where they're maybe taking too much risk? Having those second opinions can be very, very cost effective. If you look at, if you look at what somebody could potentially lose versus what they're going to spend on a second set of eyes and the advice behind the scenes. So I would say it kind of depends. Some people are like, Hey, I've gotten to five units, but I want to I want to propel myself forward, and I'm not exactly sure what the path, best path to take is for that. And maybe it's not a maybe it's not an ongoing long term relationship. Maybe it's a one time engagement where they they get some get some final financial advice plus some coaching to kind of like gear them up and say, okay, I know I know what the next the next step in my path is. Some people may be at like 25 units, and they say. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm ready to start kind of consolidating. I'm ready to start um, working towards retirement to where I can start going a little bit more hands off. Maybe start selling off some units, 1031 into some to some syndications and some more passive vehicles to where they're not as hands on. And maybe that transition, you know, if they have a good CPA, a lot of times a good CPA can help them with that. But a lot yeah. of times CPAs are a little bit backwards looking, not forwards looking. So that's where bringing in a financial professional that can can help with that transition and help them, you know, move from one place to the other. That's usually when I see a lot of people coming 
is when they're big life events, when they're, when they're thinking about transitions, when they're, um, when they're either tapping the brakes or hitting the gas, you know, is, is usually what I see. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So, so what do you, what do you see is, you know, maybe the top one or two obstacles that your clients, um, find are in their way or don't even know about until they have conversations with you. Right. They just realize like, Oh, wow. I never thought about that before, you know, they sat down and talked to you and, and then you help alleviate those, those issues for them. Yeah. I, you know, one, one thing that I see so much is a client's, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at their situation and they're maybe wanting to figure out how to get to the next level. And they're not realizing that, and it kind of goes back to my comment before, they're not realizing that they maybe have a bunch of cash or a bunch of equity tied up in a, in a property that, that if they were to either find some sort of liquidity from that, that they can then just propel themselves to the next, the next level. Um, that is one of the most common things that I see. And a lot of, a lot of people have properties that they are literally losing money on. Um, and they're just sitting on it cause they don't know what to do next. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's just one of those things that, um, and a deeper analysis of the portfolio, a digging into the tax return to really look at, you know, how much money you're making on an individual property by property basis um, can clarify so much. And obviously, you know, once again, CPAs can do that, but a lot of times it's not in, in the job description for what the CPA is doing. Um, so that's, that's one of the biggest things that I see. Um, a lot of times it, it's also surrounding just, you know, the fear of allocating assets and the fear of, of, of taping, taking the leap. And it's, and it comes back a little bit more to some, some just more like kind of life planning exercises where you're talking with them about, um, you know, what's kind of the worst case scenario for the next three years if you make XYZ decision. And if you did this and the market drops 30%, what's the worst case scenario? You know, and spell it out. We, we just saw a pandemic. Um, and I don't think anyone was underwriting that in any of the deals that they were doing in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so we've lived through pr- probably the worst case scenario for a lot of folks. But, you know, now there's always going to be new fear on the horizon. So it's a little bit of those breaking through um, just the mental blocks that, that investors can, can develop over time. Even when you have success, you know, when you've done a great job, you still have to get through these mental bar- uh, barriers to, to get to the next level, to, to find the next great deal or, or to have the confidence to invest in the next, the next thing. So those are, those are the kind of the, the pieces of the puzzle that I try to put together and, and help people feel more comfortable with their situation. I love it, man. I love it. I mean, it makes total sense. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of people that have those, those roadblocks. They need someone to coach them through it. They need someone to help, help them see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that that's, uh, it's impactful. So, so Daniel, I got to ask, I ask everybody these things and you know, there's, there's a reason why you had to fight through some steps to get to where you are and then where you've become successful. What are some of the big roadblocks? What are some of the big obstacles that you've had to overcome to get to this point in your life? Yeah, you know, so obviously kind of referred to it and referenced in the very beginning, uh, you know, bought bought my first property in 2007. I subsequently saw um, the value. I mean, it was it was a new build, again, mm-hmm. a new build in 2007. And I saw the, the, the community, the neighborhood, um, the prices literally get chopped in half. 
Mm. And, and was just sitting there kind of thinking like, what if something happened tomorrow? Um, you know, what, what am I going to do? What if I lost my job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, continued to just, to just, you know, write the, write the check for the mortgage, um, you know, bring in income that, that was tough. And, and honestly, that set me back. And I wish I were, had been in a different position then to invest differently because that was obviously such a, a, an amazing time to, to, to be purchasing property. So I, I kind of had a, a break in my investing experience between 2007 and 2013. Pretty much took about five years off, to, you know, just to recalibrate, figure out where I stood. I was working in finance and that was obviously an upheaval as well, um, working in the banking world. And then, uh, so that was, that was kind of one big thing that it was a little bit of a setback. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a huge obstacle. It was just kind of biding my time and figuring out a, a better entry point for myself. The second one was actually not too long ago. Uh, me and a couple of partners, we bought a fourplex um, right in 2019. Intention was Airbnb short-term rental. So we, we did a big renovation on it. We're getting out of, of the renovation piece of it, about to refinance, literally have um, the term sheets on the table to refinance. And then all of a sudden, lender starts going quiet. Um, and then we reach out, oh, our interest rates have gone up you know, from about four and a half to six and a half percent. We're like, okay, so we're still moving forward to closing. Quiet again for another week. Hey, our interest rates have gone up to eight and a half percent. And then two days later, no financing, no, op we can't, we can't refinance these. So we're, we're under a hard money loan and we're having to, you know, kind of pivot, figure it out. And obviously the same time this pandemic's coming, Airbnb is our target. Airbnb becomes, you know, the worst place you want to be. Nobody's traveling. Um, so we pivot into nurse housing for a little while, um, kind of push through this, you know, cash flow the units, pay the pay the hard money hard money loan for another six months. Finally, we're coming out and and we've refinanced those properties and we're we're back off to the races. So you know that was kind of just a, a very very recent roadblock that that we me and my partners we just had to fight through and we just watched these cancellations come through on Airbnb, you know, day after day after day, cancellation after cancellation. So. It was really hard to see. It was really hard to experience, but I, I'm I'm really glad that I that I went through it because, you know, honestly, I've I've got a better understanding of how I need to to kind of protect myself, how to how to plan for um, these really huge unknowns that that the market and the world can bring you. So, man, I got to tell you, I, you know, I, I've been saying this for for the entire time during COVID, but like this. That adversity is really what defines true entrepreneurs, right? Your ability to course correct and execute anyway, right? If the number one thing is taking action, you know, for, for our listeners, taking action to be able to create something for yourself. The number two thing is course correction, right? I see so many people take action and then they hit a roadblock and what do they do? They shut down, right? And it's, it's just forget about it. I, I, I can't do it. It's not worth it. I tried. I failed. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing before. But, you know, when you can course correct and you can do what you did, um, that, that, that overcoming adversity is really what defines true entrepreneurship, right? You know, they, they say, I don't know, what, what's the 55% what's the, what's the of first-time businesses fail in the first three years or some statistic like that? And yeah. I really believe it's from lack of course correction. It's somebody is hard right. set on this is what I do and it's the only thing I do. And then they're hit with one roadblock and it's like, shit, shut it all down. We're done you know? So, uh, yeah. so I, I applaud you for that. Yeah. I mean, pivoting is, is a critical part of business period. I mean, how, how many real estate investors 
are doing the exact same thing they did in the very beginning. Uh, I would say very, very few. Very most, few. most folks, you know, you're, you're learning, you're learning, you're learning. And as you learn more and more, you, you have a better understanding about uh, a better path to go on. And, and obviously getting mentors and getting folks ahead of you that are already experiencing those things that have already gone through that and can give you words of advice, but there's really nothing like experiencing it. I mean, if, if, if we're completely honest, you, cause you can get, you can get people talking to you and coaching you and doing this sort of thing, but until you experience one of these hardships, a, a setback, you're, 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 you're just not going to know and understand what it means to, to pivot, to make changes in your business, to, to, to put yourself on another path forward. I mean, you see it, you see it in technology, you see it in, 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 um, you know, our technology world where, uh, I mean, Airbnb started as mattress, an air mattress on the floor of somebody's bedroom. And it has now become obviously basically a replacement for a hotel. Nobody, nobody thought that that was going to be the case. They continue to pivot. Entrepreneurs in that space continue to pivot. And, and this is kind of what's, what's come of it. So, and, and who knows what it's going to look like in the future. So you can't stop, you know, either. You can't just, you can't just quit uh, innovating and, and, and changing the way you think about things just because, hey, look, I, I've done really well on, on a couple of properties. You have to keep on rethinking the way you're doing it. So. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. So, so Daniel, you have three little boys under the age of 10, right? What are you, what are you yep. teaching those young men today to instill and part in them, you know, this entrepreneurial spirit, this, 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 this level of success that you want them to achieve? How do you, how do you, how do you get them on the right track? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. So they're nine, seven and five. Um, it feels like what the main thing we're trying to do right now is just to keep them from you know beating each other up every day but um but you know i you know one one of the main things that that i that i'm trying to just really instill in them is hey look hard work i mean they they see they see me and my wife um hustling around all the time they see us you know they see us out there you know doing things that you know i would imagine that their friends like it's strange, right? Like you're, you're real estate investors, you're, you're going and buying properties all the time. Um, and they tell their friends about it and they're kind of like, what? So kind of thinking differently, hustling, you know, looking at the world in a different way. You know, those are all things, you know, thinking creatively really at the end of the day, those are all those things that I want them. And I'm, I'm trying to teach them to, to see, to say, look, just because, you know, everyone else does it this way over here, doesn't mean that's the way that you need to do it. You can take a different path. You know, maybe it's maybe it's you know studying something completely different than than what uh, you know the world tells you you need to you know study. You know maybe you don't have to study engineering if you don't want to become an engineer. Maybe you can go and um, maybe not even go to college. So that's we're we're trying to really just teach them think creatively, work hard. You know whether it be in, in their schooling right now, you know work as hard as you can. Uh, but then also have fun, you know, get out, get out and play, you know, get out and uh, do fun things, do things that you enjoy, lean into that stuff. Because a lot of times um, when you're doing those things, you know, those are places that you can find um, additional opportunities in. Um, so that's, you know, those are the main things that we're really trying to lean into and teach them. Yeah, I think it's all sage advice. Very good stuff. So I'd like to ask all our guests, what's the big goal you want to accomplish before you die? We're all here for a finite amount of time, right? And you wrote that you want to take 50 families, you want to impact them in a huge way, and you want to teach them 
um, how, how to create that, that place of uncertainty, you wanna turn them into a place of certainty in retirement and have them retire with confidence, right? How do we do that? What's, the, what, what's that look like? How do, you, how do you reach those people? What's the impact look like? How far along are you and how can we help? Yeah, I mean, well, so, I mean, I think I, I used to work for a, a large financial planning firm and, and, and I had about a hundred clients. So I would say, hopefully I've already done a, a good chunk of that for those, for those folks. Um, you know, I, I would say a little bit more specifically, um, my, my goal is really to, to not, you know, have this monster financial planning business to where I don't have these personal relationships with the folks that I work with. My goal is to have a very small boutique uh, niche that the people that I work with really become family. Mm. And, and so that's, you know, I, I left, I left my last firm um, basically at the beginning of this year um, all, all on good terms, but I didn't take any clients with me. And so that's, that's kind of one of those things that's building uh, a business from, from the ground up just the way that, that I envision it. And, and one of those is just keeping, keeping a, um, a view on helping, helping other folks, not just building a business, if that makes sense, like helping these families, you know, bridge that gap from where they, they may be struggling with whatever the issue is, whether, you know, it's the thinking of how to get to the next level, how to transition away um, from, uh, from active real estate investment or, or somewhere in the middle and really just, you know, the goal is to kind of work with 50 families um, over the, you know, the rest of my career and to really help them to, to get from, from where they are now into retirement and to make some massive impactful, um, impactful things in their life that affects them and their family and generations beyond them. Um, so that's, that's really what that, that looks like for me. Awesome. Awesome, brother. So, I mean, yeah, it's so much value today, Daniel. What did I forget to ask you? What did we not cover that you wanted to cover? Did we miss anything? I mean, I, I think I think you you're, you're doing a great job with um, with the podcast. You know, I, I I really enjoy listening in and listening to all the the different perspectives. You know, I the the only thing that I can really I, I'm a big advocate. I've been in I've been in the financial planning world for about eight years now. And the, the biggest thing that I can advocate is, is looking for someone who understands what you're doing and not just settling for uh, an advisor, a, an investment advisor, a financial plan or financial advisor, whatever you want to call it, really finding somebody who understands what you're doing is going to charge you a fair fee based on what it is. And then, and, and then, and then is going to be there with you on planning advice specific to your needs and your situation, not just managing a portfolio of investments over here. Asset management is very important. We know that. I mean, obviously, anytime you hire, you know, invest with a syndicator, you want to make sure that they're going to be able to adequately manage the, the assets and, and do a really great job. So asset management is a very important thing that goes back a long time. Um, but really, you know, from a from my perspective, being a fiduciary means, um, means making sure that the client is able to, to move in the direction that they want to move in and that there's not advice that's con contrary to what the investor, the, um, the client is wanting to do. So that was my goal with, goal with building my firm, Refocus Financial Planning, is just um, is having that, uh, that I'm sitting on the same side of the table with my clients, that I'm, in, I'm a real estate investor. I want to work with other real estate investors to help them continue to invest in real estate, not to pull their assets out of real estate and to go into some financial products over here. Yeah, 
No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, finding a perfect fit and finding a good fit with someone who's aligned with your goals. Absolutely. So that being said, how do people get, how do people reach you? How do they find you? And how do they, how do they find out if you're a good fit for them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, I offer 30 minute intro calls with anyone and everyone that wants to, to touch base. And, and, and what it's one of those things that I really do believe that if I'm not the right fit, then I will find somebody else that will be the right fit for, uh, for someone. I've got a, a great network of other financial planners out there. Um, so the best way to find me is uh, refocusfp.com. So uh, the RE, the refocus is real estate, real estate focus, uh, fp.com. Um, you can find me um, on LinkedIn. You can find me uh, in a lot of different places, but refocusfp.com is the best place to find me. Perfect. And we'll also make sure to put the links in the show notes. People can reach you directly. Daniel Johnson, I appreciate you being on the show today, brother. It was a great show, great information. And I'm sure that the audience is going to get a ton out of it. Thanks, Joe. It was a pleasure to be here. Absolutely.